Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. If you're visiting today, you are joining us in an historic moment as a church. So if you're a guest this morning, kind of welcome to the family because this is a family morning where we're going to talk about something pretty special. Um, In a recent staff meeting, we were talking about our upcoming church merge, and Cassandra said to us, it's not often in life when you get to recognize that history is happening in the moment. But we are in an historic moment as a church. We are four Sundays away, counting today. Counting today, we're four Sundays away from merging our congregation officially with Baseline Community Church in Claremont. And we are convinced and convicted that this will be one of the greatest seasons of life, power, impact, and ministry that we have ever experienced as a church community. And I want to, I want to just pause quickly and uh, say hi to the Baseline people and welcome all of them. They're actually live streaming this part of the service today. So they've been worshiping this morning and now they're tuning in so that they too can hear the backdrop and the heart behind what I want to share with you because we have a new name to go with this new season of life. And so I'd like, uh, before I unveil the name, I'd like you, if you would, to go with me in the scriptures to Matthew chapter 16. And I'd like to pair some words of Jesus when he said that he would build his church in the world. And I want to pair those words with some words from the late Eugene Peterson in his book, Working the Angles. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, the scripture says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The church is the only institution that Jesus said he would build. And he said he would build it in a very specific context. Did you catch the context there when I read that? Verse 18, he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In that day, Hades was viewed as the realm of the dead. So Jesus set his church in this context where his church would be in answer to and um, Uh, in contrast to Hades. Jesus would say that he's building a church that's capable of overthrowing even the realms of the dead. And listen, that's what you are a part of today. You, You are not just a worshiper this morning. You're not just a believer. We are not just people of faith or a spiritual community. We are part of a church 
that Jesus wants to set in contrast to and in answer to the gates of Hades. In Matthew, or uh, Working the Angles, in Eugene Peterson's book, uh, this is a book that he wrote specifically to pastors. Uh, although the sentiment and the essence of this book applies to any person who's, who's truly devoted to Jesus and, and his kingdom in the world. And so Eugene Peterson wrote these words. He said, the sheer quantity of wreckage around us is appalling. Wrecked bodies, wrecked marriages, wrecked careers, wrecked plans, wrecked families, wrecked alliances, wrecked friendships, wrecked prosperity. We avert our eyes. We try not to dwell on it. We whistle in the dark. We wake up in the morning hoping for health and love, justice and success. We build quick mental and emotional defenses against the inrush of bad news, and we try to keep our hopes up. And then some kind of crash or other puts us or someone we care about in a pile of wreckage. Newspapers document the ruins with photographs and headlines. Our own hearts and journals fill in the details. Are there any promises, any hopes that are exempt from the general carnage? It doesn't seem so. Pastors, disciples, walk into and through these ruins every day. Why do we do it? And what do we hope to accomplish in the ruins? After all these centuries, things don't seem to have gotten much better. What do we think about another day's effort? Is it going to stay the avalanche to doomsday? Why do we not all become cynics at last? Is it sheer naivety that keeps some Christians investing themselves in acts of compassion, inviting people into a life of sacrifice, suffering abuse in order to witness to the truth, stubbornly repeating an old, hard-to-believe, and much-denied story about good news in the middle of all of this bad news? Is our talk of a kingdom of God within and among us and our citizenship in it, anything that can be construed as the real world? Or are we passing on a kind of spiritual fiction that fantasizes a better world than we will ever live in? Is pastoral work mostly a matter of putting plastic flowers in people's drab lives, well-intentioned attempts to brighten a bad scene, not totally without use, but not real in any substantive sense of living. And based on Matthew chapter 16, I think that Jesus would respond to Peterson's questions with a no. Jesus would tell us today that he is still in the business of and still able to raise up churches that can be an answer to the wreckage and the carnage that's happening in people's lives around us. When we are choosing a new church name, I want you to know, we are not just choosing an identifier for our church. We're not just coming up with a cool way for people to identify who we are. We're not just trying to appease groups of people from two different congregations who all have strong opinions about what the name of the church should or shouldn't be. We are asking God in this moment of world history and our history, in this context of the world around us, what are you calling us to in this hour? We're asking God, what part of the wreckage in people's lives around us are we supposed to minister to? How have you uniquely shaped this congregation 
to meet some of the needs of the world around us. See, a really good name is more than an identifier. Now, a name, of course, is an identifier, and sometimes that's all that names are. I mean, think scripturally for a second. When Esau was born, Esau came out and his skin was really red. So they named him Esau, or Edom, which means red. And then his twin brother came out clutching his heel, so they named him Jacob, which means heel catcher. So sometimes names are simply identifiers of what is, but a really good name is more than that. Sometimes a name speaks to purpose. It speaks to destiny and what the person will become. So, for instance, Boaz in Scripture, his name meant strength is in him. And he certainly became a tower of strength, didn't he, when Ruth and Naomi staggered into his city in a daze after their world blew up. In fact, speaking of names, do you remember how Naomi handled her name in the book of Ruth? Let me remind you, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 20, Ruth and Naomi fall apart, their world blows up, they stagger into the city, and this is what Naomi says to her old friends, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Wow, that's quite a name to, to attach over your life. Uh, but, but another name that speaks to purpose is the name David. Think about King David. You know the name David means to seethe or boil over with passion. Do any of you use a French press when you make your coffee? I'm a French press addict. Or, or, or you, you boil tea, boil water for tea. When the bubbling, boiling starts to happen, that's David. That's what the name David means, to seethe or boil over. And that was King David in Scripture. When, he, when his passion was surrendered to God and was harnessed in obedience to God, wow, he killed giants. He wrote the book of Psalms. But, but when that passion was untethered from God's purposes... When that passion was misdirected, he blew up his world and his family with Bathsheba. Jesus met a fisherman once named Simon. Simon means a reed. And Jesus looked into this fisherman's heart and he said, nah, that's not going to work for where we're going. I'm going to call you Peter, a rock. Now, it took time for Simon to grow into that name, but he did eventually grow into that name. And he became a rock that Jesus could eventually build a church on. Sometimes in Scripture, names were changed based on the season. The names Abram and Sarai were really good names for about 90 years. And then there came a point where God says to Abram and Sarai, I'm doing a new thing in you, and we're going to have to, to uh, upgrade. You are now Abraham, and you are now Sarah. Um, sometimes uh, names change for, for, for amazing reasons. In fact, in my Bible, the heading over Isaiah 62 says, Zion's new name. Verse 4 says this, No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah. Hephzibah means my delight is in her, and your land, Beulah. Beulah means married. 
for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. Sometimes God does the naming. Sometimes people do the naming. Like in Acts eleven twenty six, 26, it says that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Well, Grace Church has had three names in our history. Did you know that? Um, Grace Church's earliest origins go clear back to 1890 and a Bible study that was led, incidentally, by a woman. Her name was Susan Dubell. Susan Dubell had a Bible study in her home that started growing. And this Bible study grew to the point where they decided to reach out to some other groups to do some evangelistic efforts. This is back when Laverne was still called Lordsburg. And these evangelistic efforts were effective. And more people came, and before long, there was enough critical mass to form a church. So this group pooled their resources. They bought a little spot in uh, downtown Laverne area, and they started to build a church. And here's a picture of the first building that the church put together. While this church was being built, they met in uh, the drugstore on Sunday mornings to have worship services. They met for a while, they gathered funds, they built this building, and on November 12, 1901, the first Brethren Church of Lordsburg was founded. That was our first name, First Brethren Church of Lordsburg. And when they launched the church, they called their first pastor, a man named Dr. Martin Shively. I've got a picture of his mug, and kind of looks like me. I could see a little resemblance there. And uh, they, they met in that building until 1970 when they had outgrown the building and the new church on White Avenue was built. And I'm just curious, is anybody here, uh, has anyone here, were you part of the church when you met on White Avenue? Wow, that's awesome. That's a number of people. So Grace's first name was First Brethren Church of Lordsburg. And listen, lots of churches started out with those kinds of names. Back in the olden days, church names usually were for the purpose of um, identifying location and denomination. A church name was supposed to let a person know where they were and what kind of church they were. So before Purpose Church in Pomona was Purpose Church, it was Pomona First Baptist. We're in Pomona and we're a Baptist church. But as time has progressed, denominational distinctions haven't been as important to people. And so early on, you needed people to know we're Wesleyan or we're Pentecostal or we're Lutheran. Today, there, there's not as clear-cut distinctions. That's not as important to people. And it can actually um, be a negative to be identified sometimes too closely with a specific group. For instance, for years, we met at the Faith Lutheran High School in Laverne. And there were lots of people that never visited our church because they thought we were Lutheran. But then there were other people that got excited. Ooh, a good Lutheran church. And then they were disappointed <laughs> because we weren't Lutheran enough. Um, so the first Brethren Church of Lordsburg eventually became Grace Brethren Church. That was our second name. And then when we pulled out of the Brethren denomination, we became Grace Church of Laverne, our third name. Baseline also has three names in their history. 
The first church to meet on that property in Claremont was Crestview Baptist Church. Crestview Baptist Church became Horizons when they went through a church merger, and then it eventually changed and became what it is today, Baseline Community Church. So we already have six names between us. We have been a variation of grace for a long time, but we haven't always been grace. And what I'd like to do here for a couple minutes, I want to tell you five things about a really good name, and then I'll tell you what our new name is. So number one, you know I couldn't just blurt it out. You have to explain and set it in a place. So number one, here we go. A really good name speaks to the present. A really good name is an ethos statement. It identifies who we are. The name grace has been so important for us over the years. It's been more important than our official mission or vision or core value statements. If you never remember our mission statement, you'll remember our name. And grace has been our mission. It's been who we have wanted to be. It's our ethos. But, but, but a really good name doesn't just speak to the present. Number two, a really good name also speaks to the future. So a really good name is more than an ethos statement. It's also a vision statement. So yes, grace is who we've become, but we worked very hard at becoming a church shaped like grace. Everything that we teach about and highlight and celebrate and the way we handle issues and controversial matters, all of those things through the years have been very intentional at shaping this church into a church of grace. Grace is who we are, but it's also who we've become because a really good name speaks to the future. And since a really good name speaks to the future, number three, a really good name is usually a little too big at first. Kind of like puppy's feet. Have you ever met a baby with an old person's name? Or the name of a world ruler or world leader? Did you know that in 1874, somebody named their baby Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill. But that's a great name for the Lion of Great Britain during World War II, but, but that's a mouthful for a baby. I have an uncle who was named George Russell McGillan III. That's a, that's a lot for a baby. Um, when Purpose Church was still Pomona First Baptist, all they had to do was just be a good Baptist church. But when you start saying, we are now Purpose Church, there's a little more pressure attached. Because now we got to figure out how to actually introduce people to purpose if we want to live up to our name. If you're going to call yourself the first church of awesomeness <laughs> in the 210 corridor, you better be pretty awesome. Or at least be moving in that direction. Um, since a really good name speaks to the future, it's always a little too big at first. Simon was not a rock when Jesus named him Peter. It took him time to grow into that before he became a rock that Jesus could anchor a church to. And then number four, I love this one. A really good name is timeless. A really good name is relevant without being trendy. You know, there, there are always uh, trends that come and go but then there's always a relevance that always applies to the human condition and the human need. You know, even with um, baby names, for instance, 
There's always a wave of popular names, but then there's always a stream of names that are always popular. You know, I think back in the 80s, popular names were Heather, um, Jason, Amanda. Um, in, in the 2020s, it's names like Emma, um, Olivia, Noah. Those are all really popular right now. But in the middle of, of those stream of names, there's also been a stream of names that have always been um, at the top of the list. You won't be surprised, but for women, it's Mary, Elizabeth, Sarah, Susan, Linda, Barbara, Patricia. These names are always being cycled through. For men, it's, it's James, John, Thomas, Michael, David, William, Patrick. Those names always work. Those names are always strong. I, I think Jessica is a timeless name. Um, Jessica's in Oregon right now with her mom and her aunt, so hi. I hope she's watching her. That would have been... But um, I, I think Jessica works for a baby or a beautiful young girl or an elegant older woman. And Grace has been that kind of name. Grace has been elegant, timeless, and we always need more grace. A really good name is timeless. And then number five, last thought, and this is important for, for the unveil that I'm going to do today. A really good name can take time to love. People flipped out when Pomona First Baptist became Purpose Church. I actually heard people from their church say to me, I will never call this church Purpose. People flipped out when CCV changed their name to one and all. People who aren't even part of CCV flipped out. Like, why do you even care? You're not even part of that church. And we had opinions on it. Um, but, but it does take time to embrace a new name. It can take time for a young bride. To, to adjust from being Musio to Howard, or Fight to Arius, or you're still a young bride, or, or Beal <laughs> to Jackson. So when we started the merge process, I was pretty convinced that we would keep grace in our name. I even told a lot of you that I was, I was going to kind of dig in on that, and, and, and I thought that for a long time, that we would keep a variation of grace in our name. Um, I love the name Grace, even though there's multiple graces in every city practically. But as we progressed and the more we prayed, I, I felt like we needed to be open to a new name. I wasn't pushing for that, and I didn't want that. But I felt like if we're really doing our true due diligence on every part of the merge, and listen, we have spent six months of detailed, ponderous, thorough due diligence and I really felt like we needed to do the same with our name and our approach to the name. So if there was a name that was as elegant and timeless as grace, and if there was a name that could speak to who we are and where we're going and what we want to offer to the world, I felt like we needed to be open to it. So we started processing the idea of a name in a joint leadership meeting at the end of June. Late June, we did a two-day retreat with staff, elders, and ministry leaders from both churches. We spent two sessions whiteboarding the ethos and the descriptions of the two churches, and then we kind of overlapped them to see what was consistent and uniform. And, and then we started talking about what a possible name could be that, that would tie all of that together. Also, I want to say something. The baseline people were incredibly gracious through this whole process. Nobody over there was adamant that we had to change the name from Grace. Um, there were some people there who felt like we should, but they were very gracious. Nobody pushed back. They were very open to being some derivative of grace. Um, and, and so truly, this decision was made out of thought and prayer and intentionality. In fact, I'll show you a quick picture 
of just a mashup of a lot of the names that we were thinking about. We, we looked at lots of different options. We processed all different kinds of names. Um, after getting dozens of, of input and suggestions from leaders, um, lots of opinions, we, we processed in our board and our staff as well, we, after absorbing all of the input, we overwhelmingly have affirmed a new name for our church that is not grace. Now, it's a big deal to change a long-standing name. You don't change history lightly. It's also a big deal to give up your name. And we are not taking the name baseline. So it's a big deal to, to give up your name. So the baseline people are giving up their name. And even though you don't change history lightly... And even though you don't flippantly or casually make a change, you also don't make an idol out of history. Or, or, or you, don't, you don't make a sacred cow or an idol out of a name if a new name serves a better purpose for a better season. So I have a name that meets those five criteria. It speaks to who we are. It speaks to where we're going. It's a little bigger than who we currently are. We're going to have to grow into this name. It's timeless and elegant, and, and, and it will take some time to grow on some of you, and I know that, because some of you have actually already told me about this exact name that I'm going to show you, that, that this was not your preference, and you had some reasons of why this wasn't your preference, so I want to ask a favor. I, I want to ask if you would be willing to, to try this on for a few minutes, and let me explain the rationale behind this. So, if, b before... <laughs> Is this too much? You can switch to the next slide. So here, here's our new name. Hope City Church. The only name that I think could capture the heart of who we are and what we're trying to be as much as grace is the idea of hope. Um, every, every Christian knows what grace is. Every human knows what hope is. And if we can become a voice of hope to our world, we can introduce people to the grace of God that will change their lives forever. Um, our logo is being designed right now. That will be ready on um, September 11. Our first weekend coming together will be September 11th, the first Sunday after Labor Day, and I'll have the logo there. So a couple thoughts. I'm calling us Hope City Church because for years our desire has been to be a church that is for the city. Now, that, that's too big for us. We haven't become that yet. We've done some little efforts, but we haven't really grown into the potential of that idea. But it's our heart. <clears throat> and it's our desire. Our property is scenic and beautiful. It's not inner city, so we're not branding this to the location of, our, of the beautiful palm trees and oak trees, although our church is in the city of Claremont, and we all live and work and minister in cities. We're branding the name of our church to our vision, to be a voice of hope to the cities around us and even cities around the world through our missions efforts. <clears throat> okay. 
we, we thought about using the word community instead of city, but I just felt like city speaks to the heart and the passion of what we want to do. By the way, um, we are going to play to the strength of the scenic property, and one of the signature ministries that we'll be starting this year is a personal retreat ministry where we teach and coach and then release people for spiritual retreat experiences on the property. We, we thought about Hope Foothills Church for a while. That was a front runner for a long time, but there's a lot of other Foothill churches in the area, and again, we wanted a name that encaptured, uh, encapsulated the mission. So we are Hope City. It's not Hope City. We're Hope. We're Hope City Church because we're a church. We are a part, small part, but we are a part of God's answer to the wreckage in the world around us. Our mission to go along with this new name is to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. So we are Hope City Church, a community of faith, love, and hope. For almost 15 years now, in fact, on our first Sunday when we join our churches, that will be my 15th anniversary as the pastor of Grace. For, for almost 15 years, I've stood up here almost every single Sunday and I've said, welcome to Grace. Welcome to our church and welcome to the grace of God. And I cannot wait to stand up on Sunday mornings and say, welcome to Hope. Welcome to our church, and welcome to the living, actual, unshakable hope that can be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now listen, we're going to have to unpack this in the upcoming weeks. Um, I think this name's too big for us. I don't know that I'm there yet. It's going to take a specific kind of person to be a carrier of legitimate hope. I don't know that I'm there, but I want to devote my life to figuring out how to be a voice of hope for the world around me. Um, I want us to live up to the verse that I preached the other week in our Zechariah series. Let me remind you, in Zechariah 9.12, the scripture says, Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. We want to bring hope to children and to grown-ups, to rich people who are bankrupt on the inside, to poor people who are suffering on the outside. We want to bring hope to relationships and to people who are searching and questioning purpose and to victims of trafficking and other forms of injustice. Along with the personal retreat ministry, the other signature ministry that we're going to build in this season is a celebrate recovery ministry. So this fall, while we're merging our churches and getting to know each other, we're also going to be laying the groundwork to launch Celebrate Recovery in 2023. And that will be our first hope offering to our community. Will you stand with me? Can we try this new name on? Can you sit with it and absorb it and consider the positive implications of it? We are still grace. Hope's not going to make much of an impact unless it's anchored to a foundation of grace. We're still grace. We're still who we've always been. We're adding to it. We cut the feet. We're intentionally. All right. So um, just want to acknowledge it's a little bit different experiencing that watching a screen, right, than being in person and getting that. So we just wanted to pause. This is a unique kind of Sunday. And actually just give us a little bit of space to 
um, process what we just heard a little bit. So I'm going to invite us to um, just kind of turn to the folks around you for a minute. You can sit back down if you want or stand and turn or whatever is more convenient. And just uh, take a minute and go, what, what, did, what were you feeling as you were listening to this? What was resonating um, for you? And um, were there any tensions that, were, that you were feeling? So just process what you heard for a little bit and then we'll come back together. All right, let me call us back together. So um, because we're, we're live streaming and there's folks watching at home and folks outside, there's sort of no good way to like have a conversation about this where everybody can participate. So let's continue this conversation um, after service, continue to interact with each other over this. But let me just offer um, a few thoughts and then we'll move into uh, a closing time of worship. And then um, and Don will uh, lead us in a benediction after that. I was really struck by some of the things uh, Chris said about the process of naming. And it made me think about um, when we uh, went through naming our own kids. And um, that felt like such a challenging process, right? Of like, what if we screw this up? What if we can, you know, name that he, they grow up hating or that kind of thing. But what I discovered with, with, uh, with each of our kids is that um, they grew into their name, right? They uh, Partly because we, uh, we chose not to find out the gender of our kids through the, our first two pregnancies. So we referred to the baby as Baby Z. Um, and so, like, I, Baby Z was the baby I had related to until Jackson was actually born. And then it was really odd to call Jackson Jackson for a little while. But then he grew into that. And then I grew to love the name because I love Jackson, right? And, I, and so I feel like that's kind of the situation we're in is um, it, it's a new name. It, some of us may love it right away. Some of us may be like, what? I, I don't, I'm not resonating with that. But I think as we become a new church and as we grow into that name, we will grow to love it because we will grow to love our church. We will grow to love what God is doing um, in our midst. And, 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 and that's, that's the hope. <laughs> No, no pun intended. Well, maybe pun intended, uh, right? Uh, that we will grow into it. And I just so appreciated Chris saying, this name's a little big for us. Um, this is, and so I love that there's vision inherent within the name, and there's a sense of this is who God is calling us to become as a church, that this place could be a beacon of hope to the surrounding communities around us, that this property, this church, this community of believers would become known throughout uh, this area as that's a place where you can experience hope, um, that that would become the testimony of this church. I think that's really inspiring and, and is a prayer that we can all pray that we would become. So um, the last thing I just want to acknowledge is uh, this Sunday, probably more than any other Sunday, is where the changes that we are going to be experiencing really start to get real, right? So it's, oh, it's not just theoretical, we won't be baseline anymore. It's, oh, we're going to be Hope City Church. Um, and so you might have feelings about that. And I think that's just the nature of what it's like when we go through transition. Um, change can be disorienting. It can be exciting. Um, it can be both of those at the same time. Uh, but we're in this place and in this transition uh, because the Lord has led us and has been leading us through and the God has something for us as a church and we're doing our very best to say, yes, Lord. So I think that's a good transition for us to, uh, to just 
enter into worship. And I just would encourage you, just in, interact with the Lord wherever you're at and, and continue to process uh, with him. Um, and, um, and this is an opportunity for us to kind of let our hearts enter into the space and say, yes, Lord, we want what you want for us as a church. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.